Hello, and welcome to the League of Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua. Today's episode was recorded on June 21st, 2021. I speak today with Doug Gronendike. Doug is a dairy cow farmer and a yes man. I've known Doug for six years, and he still shocks me with some of his stories. Doug and I talk a lot about life on his dairy farm, the psychology of animals, and AI, a deep hole that Doug is eager to plunge elbow deep into. Catching up with old friends is one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast. So Doug and I have a ton of laughs and set up some foreshadowing for a future adventure. Hopefully the next time you see us together, we're side by side on a farm with a cow in between us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Today I'm speaking with Doug Gronendike. Doug is a TRU and VIU alumni graduating with a degree in business administration, majoring in finance. From there, he moved to Austria to play professional volleyball in the first division. He now lives on an island working on a farm. Doug, thanks a lot for coming back on, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, the last time it was an absolute ball, so I had to, had to <laughs> squeeze out some new Doug content. Yeah, let's, let's see what I got. Yeah. Uh, man, what was it like moving to Europe? What was the decision to move to Europe, number one? Why did you decide to move to Europe? And then once you got there, what was that like? Well... The thing was, like, my parents have always been really supportive of me trying new and different things. So they were like, you know, if you don't do it now, you'll never be able to play professional volleyball ever again. So I was like, okay, that's a good point. So I think it was late in the summer, like July, around the beginning of July, when I put a video mixtape together, started contacting um, agents and everything. And I was like, yeah. I want to play volleyball in Europe and everything. And, you know, I got some feedback here and there asking old friends and stuff about their experiences and whatnot. And I got really lucky. I got uh, signed up with a, an agent and he found me a, a couple contracts. Initially I was like, not enough money, not enough money, not, you know, not the contract for me. And then he came up with this one and it was for Austria. And I was like, Ooh, Austria sounds good good contract, good everything. So I was like, Ch -ch -ch, sign the papers, <laughs> let's go. I didn't really look into exactly where in Austria I was going to be. Like, I didn't ask any questions. I just saw the contract. I was like, oh yeah, let's do this. Austria was the headline. You're like, sign it with blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, basically I fly out there, right? And I land in the airport and the manager picks me up from the team. And, uh, Basically, on the drive out to the city I was going to be playing in, mm -hmm. I was asking all the questions like, are we up in the Alps? Are we, where are we? Where are we, where are we going? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he, he describes the city. It's uh, the second largest city in Austria in Graz. Um, it's a university city. So my eyes just lit up when I found <laughs> out <laughs> there's going to be a lot of young people. I think there's like 100,000 students like university students in this 300,000 person town or whatever it is. Wow. So like, it was unbelievable. And then I was like, so where am I going to be living? I didn't even know. They just said they're going to have a place for me. <laughs> so turns out I'm going to be living in like this uh, dormitory. It's basically mm -hmm. like first year university building, but it's not with any universities. It's like a organization. So I had my own room there and all us foreigners from my team were living there. 
and it was unbelievable. Got to meet so many people from all over the place. And yeah, just had a good time in Europe. So party house at Doug's place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. always, have you always been a yes man? Has that always been a thing for you? You just like eating seven and a half pound sandwiches, biking across Canada, uh, drinking gallons of milk daily for weeks on end until you finish the gallon challenge. <laughs> Where does that come from, man? I honestly, like, I don't know what, like, makes me want to do all those crazy different things, but I don't know. It's too, like, you gotta, you gotta, like, push your boundaries and, like, you know, um, like, oh, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where why did, am I always a yes man? Yeah. 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 Where does that uh, come from? What? I don't know. Like I've just always wanted, I've always accepted challenges and I always wanted to, you know, push my limits and, mm. you know, I've gotten better at saying no to people. I've smartened up a yeah. lot. <laughs> so I'm not, I wouldn't say a complete yes man, but like, even like when I signed my contract to go play pro in Europe, mm -hmm. my agent was like, yeah, my experience, like my first year or two, I just didn't do anything except stay in my room and do nothing. So he said the biggest advice would be, you know, if someone invites you to go do something or, you know, hang out with them, just say, yeah, and go do it. So like almost any time someone was like, Hey, you want to go to my hometown and wherever in the Alps, I was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Like you get to see so many different things, different parts of the cult, like the culture there. And it was just unbelievable. I'm going to sneeze in a minute here. Maybe <laughs> I think a bug flew into my nose. <laughs> what, what were some, what were some cultural things in the, the Alps that you, Alps. you found oh, yeah. as a culture shock? Yeah. yeah. So no, he, like when I got to Austria, turns out I wasn't even in the Alps. I was just South of the Alps, kind of right by Slovenia. Yeah. And like, it's a two hour drive to Croatia. Like it's, it's really close to Croatia there. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like similar, uh, how do I say, to the West Coast, not as wet, but like it, it didn't snow a whole ton. So okay, it was pretty yeah. nice there. Really nice farmland too. It was unbelievable, lots of farms. <laughs> so when I got there, I was like, I'm gonna find a farming job, but uh, they don't pay so well. And it's hard to, you know, like if you're farming, it's a full-time job, not a part-time job thing. So. Yeah. I, unless I was picking apples or whatever, like being a harvester, but that's like, that was usually for the Eastern European people and they didn't get paid so well, I don't think. Yeah. Did you look for a job while you were there besides farming? Yeah. yeah. So a couple times I was hanging out with friends and like, uh, you know, like playing volleyball was awesome. Had a lot of free time, lots of free time. Mm -hmm. and like for me, it's hard to sit still. So I was like, oh man, I need to find a job. So I was asking everyone what I should do. Someone was like, oh, you should be a farmer. But I was living in the city, so I'd have to like bike quite a ways to get to a farmer, you know, commute somehow. Mm -hmm. So uh, I actually got lucky. And this one guy was saying, uh, you should become a native speaker. So I was like, what the heck is a native speaker, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, you're from Canada. English is your mother tongue. You can be a native speaker. I was like, oh. And then he was like, yeah, basically you just go to classrooms and you just chat with kids in English. 
And I was like, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So then I started asking like if he knew anyone. And luckily my manager of the club volleyball, he was a teacher for like 40, 50 years. Mm. And he had a, a guy that was high up in the education system. So I went and visited him and he was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll set you up with a job being a native speaker, put my name out there. So I got signed on to do a couple of gigs with a few schools and uh, I would just go to classrooms and, you know, I'd have flip cards. I'd be like, what is this? It'd be like a dog. Right. And mm-hmm. I'd just be flipping through. It was a lot of farm animals. That's like <laughs> my specialty, <laughs> but I also specialized in uh, Simon says, that was another go-to <laughs> like activity in yeah. Doug's uh, classes. <laughs> that sounds really similar to what my job was supposed to be, but I ended up my the teacher that I had working with me quit. Oh, four days after I got there, like within a week of me getting there. Oh shoot! She, she quit, and then I ended up just fully teaching this Danish class. Oh wow! Yeah. How was that? It was interesting. They were young kids. They were grade. I think five, six, and seven was the range. So some of them were okay at English. A lot of them weren't. I'm sure that a lot of them had no idea what I was saying. But it was good. We figured it out. Once I got with my dog up, he freaks out. Yeah, no, I had it uh, once or twice where the teacher would leave me alone. And, like, I was with kids from kindergarten to, like, grade four. Oh, wow. Like, little, little. Yeah. So, and they hardly can understand English. But like, I remember one time there was a kid crying in the corner. I was like, oh my, what do I do here? <laughs> so then I was like, okay, uh, let's play a game. And then she got up and she was good. So I was like, oh. <laughs> you're, a, you're a magic worker, Doug. Yeah, you know, just play games that they like. And, you know, <laughs> I'm up as a teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that honestly, like if you're ever going to play pro in Europe, like teaching English is the best way to go. I think like as a, a part-time gig, like hundred yeah. percent. I wish if I had done it again, I would have like put an ad out there and been like, Hey, have a conversation with an English speaker. Right. Mm-hmm. And just go out for coffee with people who want to practice their English and yeah, just, you know, converse with them. You but, thinking of going back or are you staying on the farm? Oh uh, yeah. That's the, the tricky part, Josh. Now, like I've done it. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that was so much fun. It was a great year. Like, I don't think I could top that experience. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah. such a good balance of volleyball, fun, travel, and you know, like, you know, all the fun stuff. Right. Yeah. So to go back, I don't know, like I could be assigned, like I, I met a couple other people that were playing in Austria. And they had completely different uh, experiences than I did because they were training twice a day. Like they're just going real serious, real hard. And they just got sick of volleyball. Whereas for me, it was like, it was a good balance. So it's going to be hard for me to want to go back. So I'm thinking of maybe doing like a partial season. Like my agent's still looking Mm -hmm. for a good contract. And if it's like a real good contract, maybe, but I'll look at like half season and see if someone's got hurt or if someone's looking for, you know, international middle and yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll head out for two or three months. Cause it's such a short period and 
it's also easier to get away from the farm when it's uh, the winter time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the, what's the farm like now? You said a few weeks ago that you guys were kicking it into high gear. So can you oh, see yeah. what, a, what a day on the farm looks like before high gear and then after high gear and what, okay. what do you farm? What do you, what is, we're, what is uh, the farm? Yeah. So we're a family farm here in Canada on Vancouver Island and we farm uh, dairy cows. So we're processing milk basically like, uh, we have 170 milking cows. Whoa. So there's about 380 cattle or like mm -hmm. dairy cows here. So the, basically what happens on uh, non, you know, go, go, go time is the beginning of the day, you wake up at 2 a.m. Yep. or 1.30 and you, uh, you feed the calves, the little ones. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning of a, dairy cow's life we we kind of separate them so that they don't like um get sick and we can monitor their health and make sure they get all the food they need or all the milk they need um so they're how old, are, how old are they when you do that um like soon after they're born we'll put them in a pen and we'll and we'll have them in little uh hutches mm -hmm. And uh, they'll be in there till they're about two and a half, three months old, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then eventually there's different stages as we progress, as the, the heifer grows. And then eventually it gets to a time when it calves out and it's ready to be milked and it's part of the milking herd. And then, yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, so the normal day, 2.30 um, or 2, uh, feed the calves, 2.30, bring the cows in to get milked start milking milk for about um hour and a half two hours and then after that uh clean up the milking parlor and feed the cows it, it, it's kind of hard to explain because there's more than one person doing the job at once right so there's two things going on at once typically if there's two people or three people mm -hmm. so basically we milk the cows every day we feed the cows every day we keep the, like, we try to keep everything as clean as possible and comfortable for the cows because, mm -hmm. you know, a happy, stress-free cow produces a lot of milk yeah. or more milk. I, uh, a few but, years ago, sorry, you go. Oh, but yeah, now we're kicking it in high gear. So we're in harvesting time or cropping mm -hmm. time. Yeah. And we probably have a uh, hundred acres of hay ready to be bailed up so we're going to be doing that tomorrow basically all week we're going to have like ten thousand little square bales or so wow yeah yeah well we got more grass to cut and yeah it's going to be it's a tough go so what are the what do those weeks look like oh basically you cut the grass you ted the grass you ted it like two or three times tedding is when you spread the grass out so it can dry out mm-hmm and then we'll rake them back into a row and then we have a baler and it will bale it. And then basically we pick those bales up, throw them in the hayloft and you stack them up. And yeah, no, it's a very intensive job. Like they're 50, 60 pounds, but you know, after you do a couple thousand in a day, you're pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There was a, a few years ago, I was working at a camp in Jaffrey and one of the families that I stayed with was a farming family and every morning they would wake up between two and three in the morning. Sorry, 
Can you guys stop? That's where my dogs are fighting. They would wake up, he would like, all the whole family would wake up at two or three in the morning and they would go and they would move the irrigation system. Oh, yeah. So they'd have this huge irrigation system and they would move it 10 meters. And yeah. then the next day they would do the same. They would move it 10 meters and then they would move it all the way back. And then they would just do that every single day. That was their, that was their summer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It was nuts. Yeah. On our farm, luckily, well, I wouldn't say luckily, it's kind of a, something I would want to get into is having irrigation, but we're an island farm. So we, we rely on the rain and everything else. Like we don't irrigate at all on our farm. Really? So, yeah. Oh, I guess we, you guys are on the island. So you guys probably get a lot more rain than. We do get a lot more rain and like, some years you have really good years and it rains perfectly and like sun and it's just the grass grows like a weed and you cut it like last summer was perfect this summer so far perfect mm -hmm. like we have no room to put our feed like we have so much feed <laughs> so it's a good problem man yeah it's a good problem it's a real good problem but some years it's the opposite and there's a drought and you're running low on feed and whatnot so can't What's complain the, yeah what's what's the milking process like oh okay so when um you know what josh i wish you came to the farm sometime and i could show you <laughs> i would show too i think i would i would definitely be keen to do that for a summer or something to come work on a farm yeah that'd be sweet i'd probably deteriorate pretty quick i like my sleep <laughs> a lot but it would <laughs> yeah. be a good experience yeah so basically the cows come in from their barn um when we're chasing the cows into the milking area We'll clean their beds out and fluff it up so it's nice and comfortable for them. And they'll come in and they're in a big holding area. And then they kind of just come into the milking area. Mm -hmm. um, and they're standing right in front of us. We're kind of in a little pit. Yeah. And we'll dip their teats with a skin conditioner. Mm -hmm. It also helps clean off if there's any manure or whatever else could be on the teat. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll dip them all. We can milk uh, 12 on one side, 12 on the other side, so 24 at a time. Mm -hmm. And we'll, uh, we, all, we wear gloves yeah. and, um, to help spread or not help uh, like limit the amount of uh, bacteria that will spread. Right. And uh, we kind of squirt a few squirts out of the, each teat just to see like check the milk you know like if it's uh, a good white normal looking milk color mm -hmm. and consistency and if if so like great like clean off the teats go to the next one do that a couple times and then we go back to that cow after a few minutes later because like when you're milking a cow and you're touching the teats and all that you're kind of stimulating it so then it will drop its milk mm -hmm. and that's when you hook on the machine and the machine's got a vacuum and it, I, I don't know, it's like a pulsating thing and it just, yeah. Yeah. It squirts I've, the milk out of the cow and it goes into the milk line and into the milk tank. I remember I saw a video of the machine a few years ago and was just blown away by it. It just looked like the, the most advanced, crazy technology looking thing I've ever seen for, <laughs> for cow milking. Yeah. Yeah. They got robots now too, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that, that's the dream one day, maybe have some robots, but yeah. for now we put the machines on by, by hand. And then after about five, five to 10 minutes, depending on how fast or how much milk the cow has, 
the 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 machine will come off automatically because there's a, a flow meter because mm -hmm. you don't want to over milk a cow and um the machine comes off and we got like uh necklaces for all our cows or all our milking cows mm -hmm. so we can identify which cow comes into the milking area so we know that cow is supposed to have 20 liters today mm -hmm. or like it's been giving 20 liters so if it's all of a sudden way low we know something's up with it maybe it's in heat or it's got a flu or whatever it is maybe corona i don't know <laughs> cow rona <laughs> yeah cow rona uh, no i'm just kidding i don't i don't think they've gotten covid yet <laughs> no i don't think that it can i don't think that it can jump to cows i think yeah. cats and i think cats can catch it i don't think they can transmit oh okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've seen in the zoo a couple of tigers got it or whatever yeah yeah, no. So then uh, after the machine comes off, we make sure everything's good on the computer and then we'll dip it with a, a post-dip iodine. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just like prevents bacteria from going into it. And it's also another skin conditioner. Yeah. And then after all the 12 cows are done milking, there's like these gates in front of them and they'll just open quick release gates and the cows will go out and they'll go back into their main barn and usually at that point we'll have fresh feed for them so they'll go right there and eat their food and hang out in the barn till the next milking man i'd love to see you guys set up there's this yeah. maybe you'd call her a sociologist but her name is temple grandin and oh, yeah she is you know who temple grandin is yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard about her before, <laughs> she's yeah. the uh she's autistic and she thinks that she thinks very similar to the ways animal think so because of that, she's been able to produce a lot of revolutionary technology for barns and different types of like slaughterhouses and, and milking yeah. houses and all of those other things. Do you, do you think that there are any technologies that you have that you've integrated that are from Temple Grandin? I think one of the things that she came up with was the, like the, the squeezing. There's, there's some kind of squeezing mechanism that makes a cow feel more comfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's when they're in a shoot. Mm -hmm. Like on our farm, we have a shoot, but we don't, that's more for like the slaughterhouses and whatnot because they get weighed and everything. I, I'm not too positive on all that, but like, I remember, I think another philosophy from hers is like, you don't want, like you kind of want it to be kind of windy and bendy, yeah. not like 90 degree corners and whatnot. Mm -hmm. so we definitely have that and we also have like you don't want a crowded barn because if there's a crowded barn that's no good either right yeah so yeah i i definitely want to like read up more on her stuff and like how to even like i was working in manitoba this mm -hmm. last fall and i was working on a feedlot farm yeah. so that's beef farm not dairy farming and i would help move the, the cows from one pen to another pen and the guys would always laugh at me because I'm a dairy farmer and I move cows like a dairy farmer. And they... <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I think dairy or dairy cows are a little bit different than beef cows. They're more uh, domesticated, I believe. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would assume, right? Mm -hmm. So the beef guys that I was working with, they really understand understood like if you step here the cow's not going to want to go there or it's going to go that way instead of this way 
Right. So they, they taught me a lot about how to move cattle properly and how to like, you know, keep it as stress-free as possible, which is really, really good. Very cool. Cow psychology. What a thing. Oh, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Temple Grandin's a character. It's such a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very interesting. Yeah. yeah how do you how do you determine if a cow is sick and what do you do about that? Yeah. So like I said earlier, we have necklaces on all our cows, mm-hmm. but it's also got a Fitbit type thing attached Sweet. to it. Yeah. You get your steps in. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you basically can track how active a cow is or how unactive a cow is. Mm-hmm. And there's like two main reasons we have this Fitbit. First reason is if it's low in activity, it's usually a good sign that the cow's not feeling well or something's up with the cow. So then we can put them into a separate pen, sort them into another pen, mm-hmm. and then we can either check its temperature or feel its ears that's another good one if their ears are cold that's usually a sign that they're sick Mm -hmm. and also looking at their temperature they could either have a fever or whatever could be wrong and then there you know we can go from there or maybe they have a sore foot so then we're like oh we gotta trim the foot so that you know it's more comfortable for the cow Mm -hmm. um the second reason is say a cow activity is really high that's a good sign that she's probably in heat and ready to be bred. Right. So then that means it's perfect time to inseminate her with some uh, bull semen. And, <laughs> and then we're good to go. Do you guys keep bulls on your farm? No, no. It's really dangerous having bulls on our farm. Oh, like on a farm. Like to Why is that? Handle them. Well, they're, they're very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And like a lot like back in the day they also like there's a lots of incidents where people would get hurt by like cleaning out the bullpen and the bull just goes nuts and you know rams them into the gates mm-hmm. but another good reason or reason why we don't is we buy our we do ai so it all comes from artificial insemination so that's from like a company and they have mm-hmm. all the best bulls in the world yeah. So we're breeding our cows with the best bulls so that the genetics just get better and better on our farm. That's the first time I've heard that acronym be used for artificial insemination. I'm going to take that for later. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my back pocket. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> AI, baby. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I hear Elon talk about it now, I'll I'll have a... <laughs> a better you picture have a better in my mind. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what he's talking about. That's what he really wants. Yeah, it's going to take over the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. But yeah, no. So those are some reasons why we don't have bulls. It's just dangerous and we can get the best bulls and not have them on our farm. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about cows getting stressed out. Does that happen very often? And does that lead to lower amounts of milk? I know that that's a thing with, with hens, with chicken hens. They'll, so the, there was a kind of a, like there, the hypothesis was that if you put all of the best hens together, then you'll just have all of these hens laying tons of eggs all the time because there seemed to be a very small proportion of hens in the in the cages that were laying the vast majority of the eggs. 
And so the, they tried to do an ecological experiment where they took all of the hens that were laying the most eggs and put them all together. And they found that the exact same, uh, would that be, it was the same pattern. So there was always a hen that was laying a ton of eggs disproportionate to the rest of them. And they found out that that was because they were picking on each other. Oh, so yeah. they would, so the, the top hen would stress out all of the other hens and then the other hens wouldn't be, they, they wouldn't uh, lay as many eggs. So there was always yeah. a top hen that was laying the majority of the eggs. So does that happen with cows or how do cows get stressed out and how does that impact their milk output? Um, well, yeah, there's actually like a pecking order also in a herd or mm -hmm. a dairy herd. So there's going to be the mean old big cow that can just shove her way, you know, push the, the lower down cows yeah. and get at the food or, you know, get at the water, just be a bully. Sometimes they can be bullies. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they kind of get the, what they want. Right. So then that one that's getting bullied or the lowest one is just getting bullied by all the cows. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why you try arrange your barns and have different herds to accommodate for that. So, you know, like a two-year-old cow is usually a smaller cow than a five-year-old cow and the five-year-old cow would easily beat up a two-year-old. So then you have a two-year-old group and then you have the other ones in the other group. Mm. So that's one way to limit um, the bullying and whatnot. Um, another way that you can stress out a cow is just external noise. So even just driving a tractor through the barn or something that uh, disrupts their daily routine of just, you know, eating food, laying down, drinking water. Like, so if we're, if we're working on the roof of the barn and we're hammering away, that, that noise just freaks them out. And like, I don't quite understand the biology of it, but I think they release like the stress hormone, which takes away from their milk production, mm. which yeah, basically results in less milk. That yeah. makes tons of sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you kind of disrupt their day and, you know, we're not let, like, you know, don't let them do their thing, then it uh, could affect, yeah, milk production and increase stress. So they so, do, they, I'm sure they do a lot better on a schedule then. You just have them on a day in, day out schedule. Yeah, yeah. So we milk them at 2.30 in the morning, 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So they kind of get used to that. Um, you know, us humans, we aren't always perfect, but we try to get as close to that as possible. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Have you been able to see any patterns just by observing? I think that would just be the coolest thing in the world to just watch any type of animal, but especially when you have them in a controlled environment like that, just see what they do, see how they react to things kind of, I feel like I would develop a, a really cute relationship with one that gets bullied and I would slowly train it to stand up for itself there would be a huge <laughs> training montage and everything <laughs> yeah no uh i that's the problem is quite often like you just let them do their thing like it's i don't know if you could really train a cow to be more aggressive towards the other cows <laughs> but um like <laughs> killing my dreams yeah you know, there's, there's lots, like I've been reading a lot of studies where they do have like cameras set up in their barns. So like even just being, having a person in the barn, like kind of disrupts them and they're looking at you and mm -hmm. quite often they think you're going to feed them grain or something or a treat. So they'll come towards you. Right. 
So the best way would be actually having video cameras, like looking at it and monitoring your cows. But yeah, I save that for the dairy uh, research barns to do all that kind of stuff to, you know, optimize our stuff. Yeah. It's so interesting how much behavior humans miss out on just by being around. There's a bat in the Amazon that if it's being watched by a human, it won't build its nest. It has this very intricate method of setting up its nest with different types of leaves. Yeah. And people had no idea how it was done until someone set up a, a camera. And that was the only, that's the only way we've ever seen it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's neat. What do you do outside of the barn? What do you do in, on the island? What's your island life? What's my island life? Yeah, honestly, it's been a lot of just farming, mm-hmm. which is great. Which yeah. is great. But besides that, I just hang out with friends. You know, I, uh, I, I did a canoe trip a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or whatever it was. Where'd you go? Um, Sayward Lake canoe route. It's like close to Campbell River. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a 11 lakes. So there's a couple of portages that we had to do. It was my first one, so it was kind of fun. Can you explain what a portage is? Portage, uh, basically carrying your canoe and your gear over land to get to the next lake. It's kind of like you go to the end of the lake, and then there's like a – you can't canoe to the next lake. So there's no more lake. Up, yeah, you got to pick up your canoe and go. Yeah. <laughs> so then you go to the next one, and then you just keep doing that. So that was quite, quite a fun experience for me. I quite enjoyed it, you know, like I'm used to doing like uh, overnight hikes Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're hiking and you're walking through the trails. But for me, I found like when you're canoeing, you're just like the scenery, like scenery just kind of goes by you more. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're hiking, you're, you're the one going through the scenery in in my eyes, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was just a different perspective than what I was used to. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, other than that, I go quite a bit uh, dirt biking, playing spike ball, beach volleyball, you know, trying to stay active. Yeah. What's it like trying to stay active in the midst of the pandemic? Are you, you guys are starting to open up now. Yeah, we're starting to open up a bit more. But uh, yeah, honestly, it kind of sucks, like not being able to play indoor volleyball. Like mm-hmm. I just miss going to like the gym to play sports. Um, so, and then it was also frowned upon to get together with people and play like outdoor volleyball or whatever for a while, but now it's getting better. So yeah. nice. I also, uh, we got an old barn here and I converted a room into a home gym. So been working out a bunch there too. So that's been real nice. How many barns do you guys have? Um, we got the main cow barn and then we got the milking barn and that's on one side of the road. And then on the other side is where we used to have our whole operation the old old barns and we got a hay barn here now and uh the old dairy is now converted into a garage and storage kind of thing so you guys like let your, sorry four, you go. we got like four barns cool do you guys let your cows free range ever yeah actually uh we have i don't know close to 40 or 50 or 60 cows out on pasture right now sweet so we have like a cow will lactate uh, for about 305 days mm-hmm. and then we'll dry it off. 
And then what that's that kind mean? of the, the recovery rest period for that cow. Mm-hmm. And if it lines up with the summer months, it will get a, a vacation on our pasture land, which is out in the woods. And it just hangs out there for the summer. We, we feed it grain and whatnot, and we kind of check up on them. But for the most part, they're just hanging out in the, on pasture. It's pretty cool for them. <laughs> Sweet. What's, yeah. their, what's their mating schedule like? When do they go into heat? When do they go into heat? Yeah, uh, if, they're, if they're lactating for 200 or 305 days of the year, what's the. Yeah. So basically you raise a cow or I mean a heifer all the way up to about a year, year ish. And that's when it'll be ready to be bred. Mm. And then they have a, oh, what's the a menstrual cycle of whatever it is, 28 days. I'm, I'm, can't remember what the they number ovulate? is. Pardon me? They ovulate for that long? No. Um, I don't know. There, there's a period w- where you can, you know, read them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh, I'm no biologist here, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm really curious about cow breeding, apparently. <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> I was actually, like, another thing that the pandemic screwed up was I was going to do an artificial insemination course where I was going to learn all this stuff. AI. Yeah, AI, baby. <laughs> that's where you, uh, but like the pandemic shut that down. So I actually haven't taken the course. So I'm not in charge of breeding on our farm. So I don't really know all that much, but yeah. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to tell all our friends that you're doing AI. Doug's doing AI now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting into AI. It's not. AI. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So a different kind of AI but yeah, the, the, uh, the other kind of AI <laughs> uh, what, what, what's next for you man what are you doing after the pandemic hopefully eases up a little bit mm. well I'm really curious or like I really want to go over to Australia and work on a dairy farm out there and mm-hmm. if there's volleyball play a bit of volleyball ideally I would do it during our winter and their summer yeah you know, get two summers in a year actually totally. three summers in a row would be awesome yeah so yeah it'd be kind of cool to go down to australia learn how they dairy down there and also yeah just get away travel again i can't wait to travel again <laughs> do you guys have an intricate web of dairy farmers i feel like this is some kind of cult that i've missed out on like in canada or in like the world the, the world, I feel like there's an underground cult where everyone wears like uh, dairy cow spotted robes. <laughs> they, speak, they speak Latin. <laughs> no, uh, so I like, I don't know, like dairy farming is not a fun job for most people, I don't think, unless <laughs> you're raised into it. Like, I really enjoy because I love being around cows and i understand i've I've been doing it my whole life right so like i have a lot of experience so if i like this winter a farmer called me up and says hey you want to help me on my farm and i was like oh yeah like i'll ask my dad see if i can actually have the time off to help you on that farm right and Mm -hmm. my dad's like oh it'll be a good learning experience so i went over there and did that but like you know you got to deal with cow poop a lot of people aren't good with that and the smells and dealing with animals so it takes a lot of experience so 
usually dairy farmers will want people with experience. So like, that's how I think I should be able to get a job down in Australia is I've got, you know, my whole life here on this farm. So by sheer triumph of the will and the fact that nobody else wants to do it. Yeah, exactly. No one else wants to do it. It's usually long days, tough, dirty days, but it's, it's, it's a fun lifestyle. Have you ever had any dirty mishaps? Yeah, the other day we were pumping a pit of manure out. <laughs> and yeah, we we're pumping it out and pumping it into another pit. And I had my foot on the this hose holding it to go into the other one. But you know, I was I was taking a Snapchat video of of this procedure, and then all of a sudden, like I just get splattered with cow manure because <laughs> the hose kind of kicked back a bit and went over the curb and I was just getting splattered and shit was everywhere and it was just a mess. So there's definitely some shitty days, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that bad though. Like that's the good thing. Of, like, I guess I'm used to it. So I'll just wash off. <laughs> yeah. Get back out there. Get, yeah, jump, get jump back in the ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was it like uh, growing up on a cattle farm? Were you the only uh, school child that did that? Was everyone else, did everyone else have banker parents and accountants and yeah. lawyers? And then you you were out in the back wrangling heifers? <laughs> yeah, I was running around playing with cows. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so, like, where I live, there's kind of like a farming zone. So there was a few, it was mainly people like in older grades, like that also farmed. I think there was one girl that also had a dairy farm in my class. Yeah. But a lot of people, yeah, just loved coming to the farm for like play dates and whatnot, just to see the cows. And, you know, it's, you got like 300 acres here to go play around on dirt bikes and go biking and, you know, go adventuring. So it was a perfect way to grow up. I highly recommend <laughs> growing up on a farm. It, yeah. That would be, that would be pretty sweet. I hope that I'll get the opportunity to come out there one time. Oh dude, I want you to come out. That'd that be would, so sweet. <laughs> I would, I think I would definitely enjoy that. Maybe, maybe we can have a blog of you uh, doing some AI. Yeah, absolutely. Doing some AI. <laughs> Doug, you and I are going to study AI together. It's going to be great. We're going to yeah. make a TikTok series. It's going to be the bomb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on, Doug. I think today might be my, this episode might be my uh, epitome of pun episode. <laughs> I think we've hit the most puns I've ever had. Probably the most I've laughed in a while, yeah. too. I haven't talked well, to humans in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. It's good to see you. All right. Take care, man. Bye, buddy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> what What's it like to to birth a cow, to birth a little heifer? All right. Yeah. Okay. So basically, we'll okay, see. Wait, wait. Okay. First, what's the what's AI? How do you how do you actually AI a cow? Oh boy. Oh boy, Josh. You're you're getting me. <laughs> like, okay. Let's 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 skip the AI part because okay. like. I really don't know how to explain it. How do I say properly? Okay. And I actually, yeah, it's, yeah. Okay.
basically okay yeah okay never mind i'll get to that some other the next episode okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll come out to your farm we'll do an episode yeah. after you've done your ai course and then yeah. we'll, have, we'll have video instructions to go along with it <laughs> yeah we'll have josh do it <laughs> <laughs> just don't yeah okay yeah okay, okay. all right <laughs> so are we okay no okay ask the are we doing the the calving? Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you how do you birth the cow? Okay, so basically, you'll see a cow is about to calve. You mm -hmm. put it into a separate pen, right? And quite often, um, we know the cow is about to calve, <clears throat> so we'll just kind of let it do its thing. But say it's having issues, or you know, it seems to be struggling, then I'll come along and I'll help it out. So I'll. <clears throat> The cow's like hoofs are coming out. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> then I basically get this thing wrapped around its like ankle or yeah, whatever. And I kind of work with the cow and I'm pulling on it as she's pushing. And we kind of just work together to like get it out. And then all of a sudden it will just flop out. And once it's on the ground, I kind of reach in its mouth and I pull out the slime because it could like choke on it's like uh the fluids and whatnot from being born and yeah that's basically the process of uh birthing a cow that sounds very holistic you, yeah sounds like uh doug the midwife and yeah cattle, yeah in cattle birthing yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it happens like i don't know on our farm almost every other day so it happens quite a bit that we're pulling calves off wow that's crazy Mm -hmm. yeah that's the other thing in australia like they farm a little differently they have all their cows calve at once mm -hmm. so say you're you have a milking herd of about 150 you're going to be pulling 150 calves off in about three week period four week period like that's a lot of calves just yanking them out constantly but they do it because um they farm a little bit differently and they have their cows out on pasture. Mm -hmm. So when the grass is growing at the, the highest rate, that's when they want their cows to be at the highest production. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a, that's a big reason for me wanting to go to Australia so I can learn. how. Yeah, it's a totally different method. Hey. Yeah. Completely different. But I think slowly they're going to come or, you know, shift their philosophies and come to like, the North American way or the European way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a difference between European, North American and Australian cattle farming? I'm sure there are. Oh Actually, yeah. I, I was in a, I was in Vietnam. I was in the North of Vietnam and my mom went, my mom and I went on this hike and it's super commercial. And then you keep going and we found these huge pot farms pot super legal in vietnam yeah, yeah, yeah and we found these huge pot farms we were walking and i'm like do you smell that she's like yeah like, <laughs> weird yeah, and yeah. right in the middle of these cornfields are just these massive pot plants these huge huge oh, like massive volumes of plants yeah. and so we're like hopefully we don't get murdered by some cartel up here yeah. and we kept going and at the top of this mountain there was this huge herd of oxen 
Oh yeah. And they were all just taking this big mud bath. And then these seven to 10 year old kids, two of them came out and they started herding these oxen. And it was just the coolest thing in the world to see. Yeah, yeah that's sweet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's cool seeing how they do things all differently all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. You got travel plans? Oh, I guess you want to go back to Europe. Yeah. Uh, I would love to go and travel South America. Oh, yeah. But I, uh, I think it's a little bit dangerous right now. Why is that? COVID? No, just their, just their political climate. Oh. Yeah, there's lots of, lot, lots of gang violence and the like. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pause this again now. I